0: Welcome back to The Extras. My name is Jack. And I'm Sam. Wonderful to be with you here as we get stuck into the Word of God and your questions about it. That's what we do week by week on The Extras and we love it. We love that people across St. Paul's are keen to engage with the Bible, thinking hard about it. Mm. We're looking forward to getting into your questions soon. Sam, this is a kind of a momentous moment in preaching Word. Extras life, uh, yeah. we we have finished the book of Romans. We did as it. Of Sunday.
1: It took us four years, but we did it, <laughs> and uh, I'm thrilled.
0: That's right, and I, I mean, I take it you you've. you've Kind of been the uh, the lead preacher in these series through the years, um, mm. and you've basically preached through every verse in Romans for us over these four years. And yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested here for for all of us listening. Yeah, any reflections you have on coming to the end of that task?
1: It has been such a great joy. It's something that I actually since I went into ministry and was you know studying at more college, and we did we did Romans when I was at college in uh, in second year. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, gee, I'd love to preach this book one day. And mm. then I thought to myself, you know what? I'll probably never get that opportunity unless I become a senior minister, minister and I can choose to do it myself. <laughs> mm. And uh, I hadn't gone that pathway. And then mm. I've, I've had that great privilege nonetheless. So I'm, I've am i learnt heaps. Um, the big thing that's struck... Someone asked me on Sunday night, actually, what's been the biggest thing that you've taken away from Romans? And I thought, right. gosh, that's a hard question because mm. there, there have been so many big things. But... I am particularly struck by the way that the whole the whole letter is sandwiched by two references to the obedience that comes from faith. Mm. Um, that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith that recognizes Jesus's sacrifice for you and His atonement, His atoning work, um, demands a, a life of of obedience to the Lordship of Christ. And uh, I think I've become more and more. I think um, convinced that my life doesn't belong to me any longer. Mm. Um, I, I, I've known that for a Christian, as a Christian, for a long time, but I'm more and more convinced that I don't belong to myself. But I belong. I am Christ's servant, and He is my Lord, and I do as He says. And, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: and that's, I mean, what a wonderful insight to walk away with. Uh, mm. Sometimes Romans has this reputation as this, you know, dense theological kind of you know brain nerd fest but i yes. mean in many ways it is that and yes. yet yep. uh to land it with this is something that calls us to mm. live with jesus our lord in our whole lives like it's a deeply practical message as well that it is yeah you know, we spent a lifetime seeking to live out and prayerfully grow into but yeah yep. yeah no thank you brother for your work in this over uh, four my years pleasure. i'm know. gonna miss it i it feels like
1: <laughs> kind of you know setting a child loose you're setting it free you know you know no longer gonna, gonna have it every every, <laughs> every week in your life so yeah yeah
0: Oh, very good. Um, to help us kind of zero in on what we did see on Sunday as we came to chapter 16, uh, the final chapter of the letter, Yeah. someone texted in, Sam, digging the W sermon point alliteration. Five <laughs> words. Very impressive. So props to you for that. Uh, uh, to help us kind of recap, you can remind us what were those five yeah, W's
1: yeah, we yeah, see falling out in 16 um, yeah so I, I I talked about five five marks of a healthy Christian ministry uh were, were sort of the, the the centerpiece of the talk and they were um warmth which was a, a word for, for kind of loving caring um, gospel founded relationships um talked about work hard work in ministry for the Lord um I talk about women men and women working together um taking up their roles in in ministry um I had a point on the outline called watchfulness. I didn't do yeah. much with it in reality, uh, but I think that's a key part of watching out. Not all who um, who claim to minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are actually truly His servants. Mm. Um, and then was about worship, that, it, that it's ultimately all um, done for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, that as the, as the nations come to the obedience that comes by faith, which is where the letter ends, I think, yeah. in um, verse 25 or 26, um, that God gets the glory mm. through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was my five Ws. I, I did work pretty hard on that. So thank you for noticing. Not everybody uh, notices those things and probably appreciates the uh, the mental gymnastics that come to uh, to make an outline work. That's right. I mean, I was very impressed. Like, you know, normally
0: we speak about the three point alliterative outline as yes. the kind of our, our textbook standard. But yes. Five words, And and for me, I mean, someone will remember from last year and. Candy and I doing a team talk online, we had two P's and a C, and it <laughs> that we, we couldn't even get to three, so... I think I criticised you publicly for it, anyway. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's Yeah, definitely still not feeling sorry about that at all, but um, yeah, the masterclass, the five W's. That's no, yeah, a good good recap and um, what we saw as well. Um, again, just another fun one to kind of get us into it. Someone texted in picking up one of those, if warmth,
1: Sam, is so important in a church... What do you think the ideal aircon temperature? Should be? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember Raj coming and saying this was one of his things he was going to fix for us. And, yeah. Uh, so look, I'd say, brother, sister, um, yeah, they're, they're, his door is always open for, for feedback, <laughs> and I think you should put it to him. Um, yeah. Look, I appreciate it. this is one of the, the the struggles, particularly in winter. Our our building does seem to struggle a little bit with yeah. um, managing the temperature. It's mm. it's much better in summer. Uh, so sorry. Um, bring, bring a coat and 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 pile on the warmth. I guess is the uh, is the answer at the moment. That's right. And bring the relational warmth to yeah, make up right. for whatever we lack in physical. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well,
0: let's get into the text itself. A bit more seriously. Uh, Someone's texted in Sam, verse sixteen. What is the the holy kiss? Greet yeah. one another with a holy kiss. Is that a significant greeting in ancient Rome?
1: What do we do with that? Yeah. Um, I I don't think there's anything particularly. Theologically significant about a kiss, um, it does seem to be another aspect of the warmth that is to exist between Christians. Um, that there is a mm. there is this um, greeting, a physical greeting. Um, I guess it's it's um, uh, culturally uh, appropriate. I mean, it's still a European thing to, to greet with a kiss or a couple of kisses, depending yeah. on uh, where you are in the world. In other cultures, it's a handshake. In other cultures, it's a hug. Um, different things that we do uh, to, to show our respect and show our affection to one another as we as we greet one another. Mm. Um, here it is a holy kiss. I take it one that indicates a um, uh, a brotherhood, a sisterhood in Christ. Um, mm. Not just this is not just greeting because this is what the culture does. Um, there's, there's a particular expression of Christian warmth. Um, what did that exactly look like i i'm not sure um, yeah. was it a kiss on the cheek probably but i'm not sure um mm. much more beyond that um i i mean one of the other translations there's a there's a more modern translation by a guy by the name of jb phillips and he says um greet one another with a hearty handshake he was a, he was a brit <laughs> um and uh you know that that's that kind of um yeah just way of expressing our our warmth to one another we're not mm. just coming together to hear a sermon and sitting next to each other there's a there's a real warmth between us you know? yeah maybe in our context it's you know greet one another with a
0: holy fist bump or yeah whatever yeah, it is whatever you know, it that is warmth yep. yeah all of it helpful yep. all right uh someone's texted uh they say this is a comment not a criticism are we a congregation or just a large group of growth groups all together i think you did sort of count the significance of growth groups in our church someone's asking how far does that significance yeah I yeah,
1: yeah sure um I, I, thanks for the question um we, I mean, what's happening on a Sunday as a congregation gathers? Um, yes, at one level you could say that within that congregation there are subgroups. We we call them growth groups. Um, but I'm not sure that quite exhausts uh, what's going on on a Sunday. It's not just an assembling of the growth groups because mm. there's something more happening there. It's actually it's a public gathering for the hearing of God's Word. So it's not just the growth groups who are there because even in a church like St. Paul's where we have a lot of people in growth groups, there's heaps of people who aren't. Yeah. So there's an assembling of those outside of growth groups too. And it's public in that there are outsiders. Um, the scriptures talk a lot about having places for um, outsiders to come and he- hear God's word and be convicted by it. It's also a place where we, we, um, we sing. We, um, there's an authoritativeness around the teaching in, in uh, a Sunday gathering, a church gathering. Uh, we celebrate the sacraments there. Mm. Um, So I think it's more than just an assembling of the growth groups. Um, Although, yeah, obviously within our congregations, a large number of people would be within a growth group. Yeah, I I
0: was reflecting on this just in the weekend, sort of timely, providential moment. We've just started uh, a a training course with some uh, keen, uh, godly young people from Arbo Church who are uh, thinking about growth group leading and whether that's something they might step up to next year, which is very exciting. If you guys Mm. are listening, I'm I'm really enjoying meeting, meeting with you. And the, the material we're working through raises that question, like, what is the difference between church and a growth group? Because, mm. like, there are very similar things that we do. You know, we're still involved in, we care about the Bible, we care about prayer, we, we care about our group life together. Um, there's, there's similarities there, which is good and right, because our growth groups are one of the things we do as a church. Like, it would be strange if there was nothing similar at all about church and growth group. But this stuff is also making those kind of points you're making, Sam, mm. as well, that there's, there's something bigger about yes church which sort of makes sense this is Correct. the bigger gathering there's yeah
1: there's more going on in church than just what happens in growth and, and i would say quite firmly i don't think church uh, growth groups are mini churches yeah um, they're not mm. i don't think so and I, I don't think there is the same kind of authoritative uh, leadership nor um like there's important leadership don't get me wrong but it's different i think to um what's going on in in the in god's church yeah. um so, an important ministry, but not the same as a little church. Yeah, yeah. and we love it, and we think that
0: growth yeah. groups are great, and if you're not part of one, we'd really encourage you to join as one. As I which said on Sunday. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, as an extension of what we do as church. it's Church is the kind of... That's the primary thing. That's who we are as a family. Yeah. 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 All right. Now, another... Uh, someone texted in a, a very long and quite interesting reflection. Um, we're not going to read the whole thing in full, because um, there's a lot here. But, Sam, mm. um, so yeah, it was interesting. You, you kind of gave us the five W's out mm-hmm. of Romans 16. Someone's yep. reflecting... Uh, is it a stretch, Sam, to make uh, Romans 16 fit the 5M model? Uh, This person's saying, you know, not sure if you meant that to happen, but they wonder, is it you kind of see love as, is that a membership thing, kind of the co-working together, his mission, you see teamwork, uh, you know, ministry serving together, Um, watchful, is that a maturity thing, you know, Mm. watching out for false teaching and worship, glorifying God, magnification. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if you have a comment on that sort of breakdown of it.
1: Yeah, look, um, great insight. I... I'm with you, friend. Um, <laughs> I, and I think I said publicly in the talk, I actually think one, one I'm very much behind the, the, the team pastoring model that we're adopting. I think they are five crucial um, things. And and I think it's important to note that they're not just five things that we picked out of the air. Um, mm. They are five things that time and time again come out of the Scriptures about what is important for healthy Christian gathering. That's why we've chosen them. We didn't just pick them because they all started with M. Mm. Um, we, we picked them because they are crucial, essential things. And I think as you look at the picture of the church in Rome... Those are the five things that you see. Now, they're slightly different. Um, and I, I, I had a thought in my preparation talking about packaging. You know, you, you try and think about what are the different ways I could package this up. And one of the things that I did think was, could I make this a 5Ms talk? And then I thought, no, it would. De- people would be thinking the other side. They'd say, oh, you just stretched that onto there because you were mm. trying to uh, ram home a point. Um, But I think there is something here. There's absolutely, um, clearly, a membership element of love and care and warmth for one one another. There's clearly a a magnification element that we do this for the glory of God. Uh, Maturity matters. Uh, Working together in teams, it it matters. Um, Mm. uh, Is it about the mission, the forward uh, going of the gospel? Yes, of course. Um, But I felt like to, to... um, build my talk around that was probably a little bit too uh, people would think I was trying to map something onto the scriptures that's not there but I, I think this person is right, they're seeing something yeah. that really is there and in fact it's right throughout the New Testament which is why it's such a great model yeah.
0: Well yeah. said, I've nothing out. I've endorsed that wholeheartedly, absolutely yeah. Yeah, Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: We had a couple of questions coming in uh, about the idea of work so we saw a few times in the passage this idea of people working hard for the yeah. Lord yep. uh, you talked about kind of work and the work of the Lord, this kind of significant thing that the New Testament gives us too, gospel work. Yep. Um, a long question about this. Let me, I think to do just question justice, we'll read it in full. Um, so, okay. uh, buckle your seatbelts. Um, let's, let's hear this. Uh, this person's texted. There seems to be a danger of creating a duality in our lives, the work of the Lord and secular work. Can they not be both one and the same if I work as to the Lord? Should they not be the same? Full-time Christian work is actually full of the mundane, putting out chairs, administration, cleaning up, setting up activities, rosters, etc. Not to mention the time we spend sleeping, parenting, resting, eating, going to the toilet, and so on. What counts is not our work per se, but our attitude to God in it. So, seeking quality in baking bread, if you're an employed baker, that's a way of loving our neighbours ourselves, or giving a glass of water, or helping a a neighbour move house as an act of love. Taking a holiday as I trust God to keep my finances or business in order and acknowledge my mortality and God's care, giving quality service as a mechanic or an accountant, it's it's serving the Lord and loving our neighbours as ourselves. All of these are part of living for Christ. Our lives are all in every part under the Lord, as is my service to Him. Dualism of secular and spiritual is not what God teaches us in the Bible. It's all too easy to create a dualism. First class and second class occupations, first and second class Christians. Long comment and reflection there, um, and I think there's some really important issues for us to think about here. So Sam, to start with, what would you want to say in response?
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the, the, the question. Um, I think I would try and note two things that I think I, I would say in response. I, I don't quite share the sentiment in full, um, mm. and, and I think I'll try and explain why. One is that I think there is a difference between work for the Lord and the work of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can help. work for the Lord. This question has really beautifully articulated it. Um mm. that all work, whether it is baking bread or mowing the lawn or helping someone move house can be done for the Lord. And where does that come from? Well, Colossians chapter 3 uh, as Paul is writing to slaves and masters and, and in that whole household household table that you get there. Yeah. Um he says to the slaves, he says um don't just work for your master when their eye is on you, but do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And then he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for men, because you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Mm. So there's a sense in which Whatever you do, as per the question, yeah. um, you can do for the Lord, right? So yes and amen to that. However, that's not the only way that the Bible talks about working and and working in relationship to God, because there's this whole other category, which is what I was trying to point out, which is the work of the Lord. Now, what is God's work in the world? Uh, and, and that is... Uh, seeing the gospel go forward and people come into relationship with God. Mm. Um, I I pointed to, so that's Colossians 3, working for the Lord. I pointed to 1 Corinthians 15, which I think the Bible teaches just as clearly, uh, 1558, where he says, Always stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, what's that labor? Is that just anything, whatever you do? Well, maybe you could read it that way, except when you keep reading into 1 Corinthians 16, and then uh, you get to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 16, verse 8, and he says, I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Uh, Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about his gospel work. Uh, The effective work there, the work of the Lord, is preaching the gospel, even to those that oppose him. Yeah. Uh, that's the work of the Lord. Um, and and that work, he says, is never in vain. Now, what does he mean by in vain? Well, some work that we do, even work we do for the Lord, uh, I mow the grass. I mowed some grass this morning, in fact. Yeah, um, right. And uh, <laughs> it is ultimately in vain. Because you know what? In four weeks' time, that grass is going to need mowing again. Yeah, and then again and then, again, and then again. And then someone else is going to take that... Yard one day when I'm long gone and mm. they are, it's gonna you know go weedy and bad and all my work will be ultimately in vain because I will pass away. Um, we're doing Ecclesiastes next term. I was about to say that. Yeah, we gonna make this point over and over again. You do yeah. stuff and then you need to do it again. Mm. Uh, there is a work that's never in vain and that's what one Corinthians 15 is talking about, which is the work of the Lord, which mm. is seeing people come into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that, now the Bible is very pro both kinds of work. Work for the Lord is awesome. Work of the Lord is even better. Mm -hmm. So it's not one sucks and the other one's better. That's what dualism is generally. This one's bad, this one's good. This is great and this is even greater. Um, So positive about both, but more positive about the work of the Lord.
0: Yeah, so I mean, to keep going on that, I think the question that comes and I think as part of the um, thinking behind the question as it stands as well is saying that, we hear that and instantly hear, well, so you're saying that some people are better than others. So some mm. people are more devoted to the work of the Lord, therefore they are. I mean, the question saying, like, do we really want this dualism of first and second class Christians? Mm. Like, yep. is that the implication of what you've just laid out for us there?
1: No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think sometimes I'm sure it has been communicated that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm i not trying to communicate that. Um, I, I'm just trying to stick close and tight to what, mm. what does the Scripture say and how does Paul... Um, and, and it's interesting, he, he says to... He doesn't just say to full-time ministers, give yourself to the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 is addressed to the church in Corinth, to yeah. Christian people, and the implication is... And, and I was saying the similar thing on, on, the, on the weekend, that these Christians in Rome are not in paid Christian ministry, and yet they are working in God's work. They're not bacon bread they are serving the church and serving the gospel and when paul describes that as the work that they're doing that he says keep going at so no i don't think it is first and class first and second class citizens it's this is the responsibility of every christian this is the thing that god is doing in the world and this is what we as his people want to be part of now some of us will give our time um often uh full-time paid um because perhaps that's that's the way for those people to be most effective. Mm. For other people, that's not the way for them. They don't. They're not gifted in that particular way, but they can still be part of the the work of the Lord. Rufus's mother, um, yeah. who we we talked about a bit on on Sunday. I don't think she's a preacher or a teacher, uh, but she's she's caring for Paul, and that is an important part of her seeing the gospel go forward. And mm. and she's not a second class citizen because she uses her gifts in God's service.
0: Yeah. So it's not like. We each have to decide: Am I going to be involved in the work of the Lord or not? No, we're because all because we all are. It's yeah. it's how much am I going to be involved yeah. in the work of the Lord compared to yeah. the working for the Lord? Yeah, and for different people, it's going to be different because yeah.
1: we can't all be one hundred percent fully devoted to it with our yeah. whole waking lives because correct we've got to eat but it's not an all or nothing and so and so you mustn't also have the opposite mistake which says i'm just going to work for the lord and not do any work of the lord yeah um everyone is called to do 1 Corinthians 15 give yourself christian to the work of or give yourself fully to the work of Mm. the lord knowing that it's not in vain so you if you're looking at your life and thinking all i do is work for the lord i do my you know my business or my work place or whatever i'm working for the lord i don't have time for the work of the lord then something's not right there either yeah. it's not all or nothing it's wherever you are whatever your circumstances are the work of the lord needs to be part of who, who you are and what you're committed to and whatever you're doing you should be doing it for the lord yeah um i think one
0: last thing i think i want to add on this is sometimes this whole discussion the thing that we end up feeling is oh so my you know, yes, I'm, I'm devoted to the work of the Lord, I'm, I'm serving a church in all sorts of ways, like, that's important. Um, my work, my secular work I do, like, that doesn't matter, you know, I just have to do that to get bread on the table or whatever. Um, that's meaningless in itself, but, you know, someone's got to do it, okay, fine. Um, that, I think, is missing a little bit of the biblical picture, biblical picture as well. And I think that the thing that our question asker has really helpfully laid out is the other part of the discussion, which is love. Like, the work that we do in the, the world to bake bread and help neighbours whatever it is like that is a way to love each other like our work is a part of seeing I mean big picture seeing kind of human flourishing happen more and more in our world and little picture actually loving people by doing good work for them Mm. that is part of how you you love your neighbour like it's not just like your work is only this kind of utilitarian thing to make money so people can eat and so people in full time industry can eat like it's not like you work to love people like that's really important and if your work doesn't love people because you know either because you're, well, you know, all sorts of things. If your work is, you know, being a thief or something and pawning people's goods, like, you know, that's not loving. So it's bad work. Like, yeah, love matters. That's, that's part of the big significance of our secular work as well. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Man, big question, big answer. We hope that's helpful. For you. Like, we all got to wrestle with this, so mm. worth thinking through. Yep. Another question in this kind of work of the Lord category. Uh, in working continually
1: for the kingdom, how do we prevent burnout? Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, how much of my hobby horse do you want me to get up on here, Jack? Um, big time. Oh, yeah. okay. the All right, good, good. Here we go. Um, ride it. Yeah, yeah. I'll ride, ride that. Ride that hobby horse. Um, I I've increasingly I keep hearing this concept of burnout, but I think I'm becoming increasingly less convinced that it's uh, that it's a, a huge issue. Now, what do I mean by that? Don't please don't hear me wrong in this. Burnout is a word that I think we've colloquialized when it's actually referring to a medical issue you know like mm. uh, to, to be burnt out is to be in this state of total depression uh, where you are unable to motivate yourself for life and work and relationships um, uh, but I think often when we use the word burnout what we mean is I'm just feeling a bit run down a bit and I'm a bit exhausted yeah um, mm-hmm. exhaustion and it, um, even exhaustion is quite an extreme quite an extreme word isn't it um, yeah feeling like, I've really tired and wrecked um, <laughs> yeah is um, now I'm can I just be totally up front I'm feeling a bit like that um, mm. last week like we have, I have a lot of things going on in, in my world at the moment um, finishing a preaching series uh, and then I had to get wind back up we were here first thing Monday morning at 8 o'clock to do some filming for some leadership training that I'm running which I was writing concurrently with the sermon for last week uh, as well as trying to get my head into the next sermon series which I'm preaching which is in Ecclesiastes in a couple of weeks time plus we're trying to you know we're in the middle of selling a house Uh, we've got my wife's work is so crazy that she's even asked me to help with some bits and pieces like it's nuts like Mm. there's so much going on in the Russell household at the moment I didn't go to bed once before I think uh, most were after midnight a few nights i wasn't even home till after midnight last week i didn't have a day off i you know i ran hard now you might look at that and say look out sam burnouts around the corner well no it's Mm. not holidays are around the corner they're coming (laughs) um and i'll I'll take some appropriate time to rest but this is a time where there's work for there's there's the work of the lord and other work that's not for it's it's work for the lord that i need to do as well um and there's no way around it we just had to get it done Mm. you know like um, and so, like, it's funny, funny, I, I was pulling off Wednesday night, I'm at this house I'm trying to sell, pulling up floorboards and uh, off-skirting boards for the builder to come past while listening to a, a commentary being read out to me, you know, and then I got home with some great thoughts and put, put in some sermon outline thoughts, you know, well after one on, on Wednesday night, you know. Now, you, might, that's, I worked hard and I was so tired on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, am I burned out? No because I got up and then I made breakfast and I got to work the next day and I'm tired yeah feeling feeling like I've run hard but I'm not burned out and I think a little bit when we use the language of "oh, ooh, ooh I, I can't say yes to that thing because I might feel tired we use the language of burnout and mm. everyone says look out for burnout don't go there um, so a little bit of a hobby horse for me Jack uh, I think we many of us uh, could could work a lot harder for the Lord than we do yeah Um that being said, I there are some. I've I, no doubt there are some people with very tender uh, situations who are you know who and mental health mm. is, a, is a is a thing to, that they need to be particularly mindful of. And so I don't want to. Um, there are some people who need to hear, "Hey, slow down and be careful." For yeah. there are many who actually need to go. Actually, I could take on heaps more, and I I I won't regret that.
0: Yeah. If you, I mean, if you, if last week is what you did every week for like the next five years. That would be a you problem. You probably would no, burn out right. in the like clinical yeah. medical sense of that term. That's right. But that's not the plan. I mean, that's you're going in long service leave in a few weeks. I've like, got nine <laughs> weeks of leave coming <laughs> then just around the corner and yeah. it's going to be amazing. And that's part of this. Like, you know, there are times for going hard and there are times for seasons of refreshment. and That's rest exactly and, right. Um, that stuff all matters. But yeah. here, are, I think the point you've made is, yeah. is really important. Like, we don't want to... Yeah. let the pendulum swing so far that yeah. we just slack off because there's totally. work to do and, and we're and called the, to take our part in that
1: and the Bible has lots to say about idleness and that mm. that is a real problem that bad things happen when Christians are idle um, so I think that's worth. you can become a busybody you can become a gossip you can become lazy um, yeah. that, that's not positive the, the, the answer to burnout is not doing nothing for a season and um, mm. um, like someone I heard once use a really good example that human beings are like semi trailers. We're uh, driving a semi trailer. If it doesn't have a load on it, it's really hard to drive. It bounces around and it's hard mm. to steer and actually load it up a little bit. That's how it's designed to be. And then it drives straight and true. You can take the corners properly. It goes a bit slower, but it's how it's meant to be. But an unloaded truck is actually really hard to drive. It's just un- unbalanced. And yeah. so. There's something right. Human beings were designed to work. They were designed to, and they were designed to work for God. Um, yeah. And I think if we think, oh, well, the answer, the way to get healthy, the way to, the way to, re- is to do nothing and back right out of everything as if that's going to help me recover as a Christian. No, no. Part of how you're made to be, I think, is to work and even to work hard. Yeah.
0: If you want think about this more, little book that I found very helpful is Christopher Ash's Zeal Without Burnout. And there's a the burnout word again. He really yeah. means that in the capital B, clinical yes. burnout sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, a very little book, like, you know, a couple of hours to read, worth your while. The, the idea that he just keeps putting forward, which I just have always done, so I mean, I read this like seven years ago and I think about it all the time. Sustainable sacrifice mm. is his language for it. Like, our lives are meant to be a sacrifice. We're pouring ourselves out for the, mm. the good of others, for the work of the kingdom, we want that to be sustainable because we want to do it over the long haul. Like we want to sustain that sacrifice over a lifetime to do more good for each other and the kingdom. So mm. I've, yeah, I've always found that, that language helpful. It's, it's, it's meant to be a sacrifice and you want to be able to do that for the long haul. So do it sustainably.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Wow. Man, we're, we're tackling big stuff. How good's this? All right. Um, Would you believe we're about halfway through uh, questions. We we may pick up the pace. Some of these will pick up the pace a little bit. Um, The rest of our questions are really about uh, what this passage has to say about women and women in ministry. Good. So to get us into that, uh, Sam, one person text, Thanks for talking about women in ministry and raising the profile of women serving. Can you please unpack more about the women mentioned in this passage who worked very hard in the Lord? Quotes: The ones who don't just bankroll the ministry or who are married to someone else.
1: Yeah, um, thank you for the question, and I'm happy to raise the profile of women serving. I think that's what Paul is doing here, and I think it's an important thing to pick up on as as you do take it through Romans 16. Um, I a couple of things. Um, uh, can I, can I say more about those who worked very hard? It's tricky to say more than the than the text says. Um, so, for example, verse six: Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. That's that's all you get about Mary, like. Mm. Um, I don't know what more I can say about her. Um, the same is with um, Tryphena and Trifosa down in verse 12. And Persis, all four women, uh, worked very hard in the Lord um, or, or for the church. Why not, why, that's um, Mary in verse 6. Yeah. Um, you just don't get a lot more colour there, unfortunately. Mm. Um, what were they do? What were what they, they doing? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not sure. And you yeah. don't get a lot of other mentions of those people in the New Testament. So mm. you can't... I don't want to go beyond and, and speculate, to be honest, as to what, what can be said there. Um, so it is challenging. Um, more the point that these they're clearly working hard um, in, in the church at Rome.
0: Yeah, um, but we can I mean, can we talk a little more about the women? So, you did highlight a bit about Priscilla. Yeah. Um, yep. We talked about like Phoebe as a deacon. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, the two things I would say is um, just, to, just to, on the language of the question, um, they don't just bankroll the ministry or I, I think imply just married to someone else. I hope you can see that both with the women who were married. I was making the point that it's not just that they were married to a man that made mm. them worthy of note here, um, particularly Priscilla and Aquila um they priscilla you know she and her husband together help minister the word acts 18 is worth going to read and see um a specific instance of how they do that in practice um it is not that just that she's married to him it's that together their marriage is geared towards ministry service and yeah. and uh um helping people go deep into the word um so yep, yeah, um um, the other one is my comment about Phoebe bankrolling the ministry. I did use that language, but that's not the only thing Phoebe does. She's yeah. she's an office holder, uh, verse one. She's a deacon um, of of the church, um, and uh, she is the one who carries. So she's a, she's travelling through the ancient world carrying this letter from um, uh, Corinth, which is in Greece, uh, which is where Paul wrote it. Uh, she's from S- Sincrea, which is the port city of Corinth, which is just like you know. Uh, five, six Ks down the road from Corinth mm-hmm. um, she's obviously taken this letter Paul's entrusted it to her and she's travelling a long way all the way around the top of the Mediterranean through what's now um, Bosnia, Serbia that kind of area around the corner and then down to um, down to Rome on the on the boot you know mm. um, or she might have traveled on a ship who knows one way or the other um, but that 's a big trip either way um, and it 's a mission trip and Paul is saying when she gets there church in Rome make sure you receive her and look after her give her whatever she needs so that she can keep doing her her work um, so she's she 's working um, yeah as a as a conduit for this letter um, and as I take it as some some version of a of a kind of not quite a missionary in this case, but a kind of mm. I don't know um carrier of, of of this important letter uh likewise you've got junior and Andronicus um, yeah. who um, Paul calls them um, sent ones apostles um which I, I think means probably the, the the likely thing is they're they're a church planting couple uh, yeah. and they, and they've they've gone were they the ones that planted one of the churches in Rome they've ministered with Paul elsewhere it seems to be. Um, spent time in prison with Paul, and now have found themselves in Rome as sent ones. Is it that that actually they've been sent to Rome to plant one of these churches here? Yeah. Um, and all like, if you know anything about church planting, what's involved in that? Is it you know evangelism, mission. Um, setting up of a church, doing the membership work, doing the maturing of the saints, uh, enabling the the, the the saints to serve in ministry. It's an all-in kind of thing. It's an all-in yeah. kind of thing. You're doing yeah. everything. You don't have teams and structures. You've yeah. got a husband and wife team who are, who are doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that's helpful. Um, yeah again i would just say just read through the passage and see what do you glean about the women and the way that they work um you can't go beyond what is what is said there but i think that there are so many is worth worth Mm, noting yeah 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 really
0: helpful thanks for giving us a bit more in on that um we had another question about phoebe which is probably a simpler one so we'll do that quickly um Mm. how do we know that phoebe was single is this because it mentions her by herself instead of in conjunction with another name
1: yep Yeah, um, yes, I think is the short answer. Um, She's mentioned on her own. When when there's a married couple, he greets them both. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, verse 3, Phoebe uh, just on her own. I I take it it would have been odd were Phoebe married to travel without her husband at Mm. this point. Um, If it was, you know, Phoebe and Ross, you know. (laughs) um, (laughs) Phoebe and (laughs) Davo. Whoever it is, he would have sent them both um, to to the church in Rome, but it's Phoebe and... um, uh, and that—that that it is that uh, I think verse two, um, we, we're told there that she has been a benefactor to many people, including me. Um, it seems to me that she's a woman of of wealth, and he's attributing the wealth to her own, um, rather than hers and someone else's. Which again, you, you see that Paul seems to talk quite naturally about when there's two, you know, their their house or their work. Here it's her work and mm-hmm. her her wealth. Um, so I think the implication. W- w- Am I 100% certain she was never married? No, but the way he speaks about it seems to imply she's a single woman. Yeah, seems likely. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, Sam, next question. Are there any men in the list you want to highlight? <laughs> Smiley face emoji.
1: Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, uh, sure, look, yes, um, there are all kinds of men. And again, I just say, keep reading the passage and see what you glean. My point was, though, that the the, the, the frequency of women is noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the clear pictures where you see the a shape of paul's ministry probably one of the best in the whole bible where you get an insight into what working with the apostle paul must have been like and that there are so many women i think is what is noteworthy um are there important men on this list yeah of course Mm. um i could say the same thing about andronicus as i said about junior um as 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 a church planting husband you know Mm. um you could talk about Timothy, who's Paul's co-worker, and you could say a lot about him. Um, there's some interesting stuff around Erastus in verse 24. Uh, he gets another mention elsewhere in the Bible. Um, sure, you could say all kinds. You could talk about Tertius and the fact that he's a, he's a paid scribe who's writing, Paul's dictating, and Tertius is writing. You could talk mm-hmm. about that, but um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, there's lots there,
0: but I think the way you said it's right, like in a passage that is so very kind of clearly championing the ministry of women... That's worth spending time on, and if the implication here is like Sam, like you know, why is it all about the women? Why don't you talk about men? Like mm. I think this is a passage where you know, in the Bible, like generally the ministry of men probably is more prominent most of the time, as mm. Jesus and the apostles are men and all that sort of thing. So having a passage here where the ministry of women is such a vital part of the health of the church, I think it's really worth us yeah. spending time uh, digging deep into that to, uh, yeah, encourage and raise the profile of the women who serve among our church, as you as the other question put out. put here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And thank you for that. All right, uh, I think we're on our last one. Uh, how do you hold these truths about Paul valuing and including women in ministry with other passages about women being silent and shutting down the role they have in church?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I think it's an important thing to do um, to, to read scripture in light of scripture. That mm. that is always our goal. That the that our interpreting. Uh, tool is scripture Um, so we never want to read one part of scripture in such a way that it relativizes or minimizes another part of scripture and that that's really important or or such that it makes another part of scripture um yeah irrelevant or or undercut another part of scripture so that's a hard task as a bible reader isn't it you keep going into the specifics of a passage and then you've got to go well how does that fit with the whole um, and how do I hold these things together and, and we must never come to a conclusion about one passage that doesn 't work in light of another, mm. so my point was on Sunday that often when people um, hear a passage like one Timothy two, uh, which says um, in the in the public teaching that happens within a church that um, a, a woman is to be uh, is not to teach or have authority over a man um, but is to be silent in that in that moment uh, we 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 mustn 't read that in a way that undermines other parts so Sometimes people, um, I was, I was noting a slightly different issue, which was that some people say, well, Paul isn't a trustworthy kind of voice on this cause he hates women. Mm. Um, that I think is reading that passage in a way that doesn't fit with Romans 16 cause Romans 16 yeah. says he clearly loves women and mm. women love him. Um, so that can't be it. So there must be something else going on here. Um, and, and I think what's going on here, I don't think Paul is shutting down, um, women, um, I think what, what what he's doing is he's, as he's talking in the context there. And again, we ran a whole stretch night on this, two stretch nights, in fact. That's um, right, yeah. and, I, and if you want to reach out to... Uh, who do they reach out to, Jack, to get Yeah, if you'd like to, to, to hear the recording of that material, contact the church
0: office. You can find their email address on our church website. Yep. Uh, they'd be happy to hook you up with a link to that material if you'd like to explore further.
1: Yeah, so two whole nights on that. So I, 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 And I won't be able to do justice in the next two minutes to, to mm-hmm. that, what? took two nights to, to go through. But I think I would say in that Paul does see that there is a particular teaching ministry uh, which is um, the authoritative teaching within a mixed congregation of the gathered church that right that, that God has, has entrusted to men and, and should be rightly executed by men. Uh, now, there's lots of reasons for why that is, and the stretch night will go right into that, thinking right through back to how God has made the world and creation and all sorts of stuff. Um, but... That is not tantamount to shutting down women in the church, mm. and I think I think this is really important to say. Um, sometimes there can be this sense that if, if that we think that if 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 I, if I don't preach the sermon, then I can't minister in the church. But I, I mean, you just pause and think about a church like St Paul's for a minute. Like on Sunday, right? There were two members out of what? How many were on our roll? A thousand odd people a thousand. on, on yeah. our roll. Mm. Um, two people exercised the role of public teaching. Um, to a mixed congregation. Does that mean that the other 998 didn't do anything of value and were shut down on Sunday? Um, I, I don't think it does. I no. actually think there were heaps of valuable, some prob- possibly. Um, like it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's worth um, measuring which one's more valuable or whatever, but mm. there, there's all kinds of valuable ministry happening, happening across the course of Sunday. And... If the only thing that happened last week was those two people, me and Rod who who taught authoritatively on Sunday in the mixed congregation, if that's all that happened in the church, our church would be dead. Yeah. Like Absolutely, yeah. It's just, like, that's you, not an overstatement. <laughs> you you can't run church that way. So to mm. to absolutize preaching as if it is the the marker of whether or not you're doing something valuable or mm. you're being included or shut down, you know, as if it's this really all or nothing kind of categories. Actually, there's this broad um, uh, ministry of of the body, uh, of which the the authoritative teaching is, is actually restrained to a very few uh, number of uh, rightly um, selected and um, trained and um, you know people who, who've had sort of. The, the the leadership of the church kind of um, ordain them to that task that that's right and proper um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't uh, uh, please hear me say that doesn't undermine the value of all the other yeah, parts of the body's ministry that are open to men and women yeah and um, I don't do you, do you want to add something here um, I think you've really helpfully again to come back to the principle um,
0: outlined for us that we need to uh, see how these parts of Scripture um, interpret each other. Like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, if you walk away with one thing listening, like, it's that. It's And it goes both ways. I mean, the flip side is you kind of read Romans 16 and see uh, this wonderful picture of Paul working together with women. And um, if you take that and kind of just um, absolutize it and say, like, well, like, look, women can do anything. Look at all the things women are doing. Um, look at Phoebe, this office holder in the church, mm-hmm. um, and assume that she's out there kind of, you know, teaching the Word in the congregation. Well, Mm. you've got to read this passage in light of the fact that Paul says elsewhere that's something yeah. that he calls women not to do yeah. so that helps you understand a little more about what Phoebe would have done like I assume Phoebe as a deacon was doing all sorts of things in all sorts of different capacities as she ministered with the church but I think we can assume that teaching authoritatively the congregation from the word was not one of those things Yeah. because Paul commends her and I imagine he probably wouldn't have if she was going against his advice elsewhere so Correct. we've got to bring all these things together I mean similarly like 1 Corinthians is another place where you see it um, 1 Corinthians fourteen does call women to silence in this particular context, but again, like it's yeah i 'd want to put push back on the question as well like Paul's not shutting down women in church because he also says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter eleven that women are just called and assumed to be praying and prophesying in the church. like women have these word speaking roles in the church, and we 've got to bring it all together to help us see what does that actually mean particularly when the exact things that we might do in church, um, it's not always easy to map them onto those biblical categories. Mm. If you want to do that, again, Stretch Night. Yeah, Have a listen to Stretch Night, because that's what the Stretch Night was all about. How do we bring these different passages together and work out what they are saying about how we as men and women in ministry mm. can do all sorts of different things as we mutually teach and encourage each other and seek to do that in line with God's Word for the glory of God. And, and I guess maybe just
1: coming to pull some threads together from the whole episode here... Um, that is such an important principle that it applies not just with men and women like come back to our discussion previously on work for the lord and work of the lord if you just read the colossians 3 passage and say that tells me everything i need to know about work that um that's then you absolutize something but actually you, you need to zoom out and go well how does that then fit with 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Corinthians 16. This is just such an important discipline as as students of the Bible that we are seeking to hear our our Lord's voice on the pages of Scripture that we need to constantly be reading the parts in light of the whole and never in such a way that one part undercuts another part.
0: Well said. Maybe that's a place
1: to end for us today. Yeah, very helpful. Thank you. And that's as
0: we wrap up the series on the Book of Romans, and what a journey it's been. Uh, so thank you again, Sam, for, uh, for your work all the way through, and thanks for helping us wrestle with these things today. My pleasure. Sunday to come, we are starting a new little series, and again, we're, we're capping off an old one. Uh, so this coming Sunday, we are beginning four weeks, uh, rounding out the Book of Genesis.
1: Which has and been your big project over a few years. It has been, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm feeling similarly in a way, we're about to uh, send our little graduate off to
1: you know <laughs>
0: fly the nest, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're jumping into Genesis 37, where we pick up the story of Jacob's family and his Mm. sons, and particularly Joseph and all of his exploits. We're going to see how God is utterly faithful to his promises and how that isn't an easy, neat, linear, comfortable story that God works it out even through the the utter brokenness of our worst messes. Mm. So looking forward to bringing that uh, word to you as we get into it on Sunday. Until then, thanks for joining us. Uh, God bless, and we will see you then. See you later.